welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to speak to you this morning about the locked door facing our greatest fears. Facing your greatest fears. Every one of us faces fears on an ongoing basis. You might, th- you might be sitting here and thinking, oh, Matt, this is only for a small portion of the meeting. I want to tell you that almost every one of us here faces fears on almost a daily basis. Fears are a commonplace thing that all of us are confronted with. If you were to do a, a search on the internet for the word fear, you would find that there would literally be over 200 million hits Sites that you would be able to visit that are connected in some way with fear. Fear is a very normal thing for all of us to face. And here's the thing though, is that fear will often try and stop you from walking into the preferred future that God has for your life. Fear will often try and stop you from entering into that which Jesus purchased for you on the cross. Fear is something that has a way of trying to get in the way between you and that preferred destiny that God has. Fear will present itself very often as a locked door. Fear will say, actually, you know what? You can't get to what God has got for you. There's a door that's in the way. I am someone, I've got a confession to make. Do you mind, can this just between you and me, is that okay? Right, just an intimate moment. I just want to bear my soul here and just open up in a very vulnerable way to you today. But I have a fear. Don't tell anyone. I've got a fear. You know what my fear is? I fear heights. Anyone out there, don't, you don't like heights? I don't like heights. I don't know why I don't like heights. I can't trace it back to something that happened in my childhood. My father didn't drop me from, from a height onto my head or anything like that. I've got no idea. I just don't like heights. I have a fear. And so I remember last year sometime we went back to South Africa, which is where I spent most of my growing up years. And we went back on a family holiday and we went back to go to the city that we're from and we visited a soccer stadium. They had the World Cup there. The last soccer World Cup was held there. And so we went and visited this brand new stadium. And over the stadium, the 60,000-seater stadium, they've got this big archway that goes over the top of it. And what you can do, you can jump in a cart, and it takes you up this archway all the way to the top of the, you overlook the center spot of the field, and you can see the city and everything. It's spectacular. So me, who fears heights, thinks it's a good idea for me to actually get into this cart, which is on a track that is this wide, It seemed to me it was about that wide, all right, preacher license, but it seemed to me it was about that wide, and you've got this cart, and it's all glass around you, and I'm sitting at the bottom, I'm thinking, I want to get to the top, and I want to see what lies up there. In my head, I'm going, but I don't like heights, and I kind of go, no, 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 I think I'll be okay. So we get into the cart, the whole family, and there there I am, the great mighty man of God, I'm here, I'm, I'm going up to the top, I'm going up to this great place, I'm going to go up, I'm going to conquer my fear. And so I'm there, and the guy, the door's closed, like this, and as the door went, my heart went, and I'm thinking, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. 
And so the guy clicks it into gear. And as we start to pull off with a jolt, it goes pull out with a jolt. This great mighty man of God does what? He drops to the floor. My kids are watching me. My kids are laughing at me. And I'm on the floor, I'm going, oh, can't you stop this thing? And the guy looks at me and he goes, once we get going, we can't stop. And I'm just like, oh. I told you, I'm being vulnerable, being honest. Just, just keep it between you and me, okay? But here I am, just, just doing this thing. But here's the deal. We got to the top. I got out of the cart and I stood up there and I was fine. I looked at this incredible vista. I saw this incredible view. I was looking around. I was amazed at it and I was okay. You see here, there was a decision I could have made. I could have allowed my fear to cause me to stay at the bottom. I could have allowed my fear to stop me from actually getting into that cart. And there were moments on that journey that I was confronted with my fear again. But you know what? I got to the top and it was okay. You see, fear will try and intimidate you and tell you a whole lot of lies about what the future holds because it wants to try and keep you this side of God's promises for you. Fear will try and stop you from reaching everything that Christ purchased for you and for me. How many of you have seen that program, Fear Factor? You know, they, it's one of the, they play on channel 67, you know, one of the channels and it just like fills time and they keep on rerunning Fear Factor. But if you've seen what they do is they do all kinds of crazy stuff like they get snakes and rats and, and bugs and all kinds of stuff. Who likes spiders here? Anyone like spiders? Anyone a big fan of spiders? No, no one likes spiders. But, uh, you know, and if you do, we'll pray for you afterwards. But spiders all over you and, and, they, and they pour them over people and the whole idea is for them to try and confront their fear and they want to see who's actually going to come out the other end with the greatest fear. And here's what I've, uh, the great conquering of fear. Here's what I've learned from that program. I mean, you didn't realize you could learn stuff from Fear Factor, but I learned something is that it doesn't matter how big and strong you might appear. It doesn't matter how muscly you are. It doesn't matter how great you look in stature. At the end of the day, that some of those fears that people have can break even those people. Those external things mean nothing. It's all to do with what's on the inside. And often it's the person that's the most, the least likely, that, but it's got a fortitude within them and able to face their fear that enables them to come out the victor on the other side. See, that's what I've learned from Fear Factor. It's got very little to do with my external appearance and stature. It's got a whole lot to do with what's actually on the inside. What's on the inside of us? What's on the inside of you? Fear is something we all face. The dictionary defines the word fear as this. It says, a reason for dread or apprehension. Fear is a reason to dread. Fear is when you have that apprehension. And I've been in ministry long enough to know that in every gathering of believers, there are people that are sitting in churches week after week after week that are confronted with dread, that are confronted with apprehension about the future, about what God has got in store for them. You're hearing messages, you're hearing inspiring preachers, and you're sitting there discounting yourself. Why? Out of fear. Because you have a sense of dread. And I'm believing that today, as I share this word, that we're gonna see people set free. You gotta walk this out, but I'm believing a journey's gonna start today that you're gonna recognize that actually I've been allowing fear to get in the way of that which God has for me. 
And today I'm making a decision to actually say no longer, no longer am I gonna allow fear to stop me, no longer am I gonna allow fear to be a locked door to the future that God has for me. Fear will try and stop you from the preferred future that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. In John chapter 14, verse two, when encouraging his disciples not to be afraid, as he spoke of his coming death and resurrection, Jesus said this, because here's the thing we've got to understand. Jesus does have a future for you. Jesus does have a good future for you. He has a future where he wants to prosper you. You see, the Bible tells me that Jesus doesn't remember me according to my sins, but according to his unfailing Love. Doesn't matter where I've come from. If I submit myself to Christ and I allow His saving work to resonate within me and transform me, He has a good future in store for me. He has a good future in store for you. And so He says this in John 14, verse 2, when He was encouraging the, the, the disciples, He said this He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. See, God has got a plan for you. He's got a plan for your life. He's, got, he's prepared a place for you. What He did on that cross, He prepared a future for you, for me. And He wants us to walk into that. It also says in Revelation 3, verse seven, this is Jesus, the words of Jesus Himself, says this, it says, these are the words of Him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What He opens, no one can shut. And what He shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See a place before you, an open door that no one can shut. Is fear stopping you from walking through the door that God has got for you? Some of us think this door's locked. Some of you actually think the door to your future, the door to what God's got for you is locked. You cannot get through this door. You look at the, the, the process of trying to get through that door and you think it's too hard. You, you, you look at the thing, you say, I'm not worthy of that. The enemy's got enough stuff going on in your head that he says, you need to stay this side of the door. Yet we've just read, Jesus says, what I open, no man can shut. God has opened a door for your life. He's a, there's a door to your destiny. And I wanna tell you, the illusion is that that door's locked, but that door's not actually locked. That door's actually open. And what he wants you to do is actually open the door and actually walk through into the future that God has for you. You see, some of us are believing lies. You're believing the lies and you think, you think this is your reality. Your reality is you can't have what someone else has. You can't have the future that someone else has. Yes, it might look different, but God still has a good future for you. He still has a future that He wants you to walk into. And we need to start recognising where fear is actually holding us back from that which God has purposed for us. You see, the locked door is not actually locked. What Jesus opens, no man can shut. It's open. We need to walk through it. 
Once you turn, uh, uh, I'm going to read to you from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. I'm going to read first from the NIV, and then I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, that same text. But 1 John 4, verse 18 says this. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now I want to read you the Amplified version, which the Amplified basically takes the original language that the Scriptures were written in, because English in some ways is a bit limited in terms of expressing the fullness of what was originally intended by the writers of the Word. And so what the Amplified Bible does is that they try and extract some of those nuances of what was actually implied, so one English word can't actually adequately translate a, uh, a, a Greek phrase, and so they've tried to, so it doesn't read as well, but it's very helpful sometimes to actually look at it, to actually get a sense of what was the writer actually trying to get at here. And so the same text in the Amplified Version says this. It says, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. Remember we said the definition of fear is a reason to dread or apprehension. It says that perfect love casts out fear Dread does not exist, but full-grown, perfect, complete love, now listen to this next phrase, turns fear out of doors. How cool is that? We're talking about this locked door, this illusion of the locked door. We're talking about this thing here and we're thinking we can't get through. But that tells us, that text there tells us that the perfect love of Jesus, the perfect love that he displayed on the cross, the perfect love that he displayed for you and I, that perfect love when he gave his life as a loving sacrifice for your and my sins, past, present, future, that saving work that we just celebrated at Easter. That saving work, that perfect, complete love, Jesus said on that cross, it is finished. There was nothing else that He needed to do. It is finished. That complete, perfect love, that love, that love that He has for you. I don't care how you walked in today. His love for you is without question. His love for you is without question. Some of you are discounting yourself from the love of God. His love for you, I want you to hear this, is without question. And it says that His perfect love casts fear out of doors. So where fear is trying to stand in the way, what does perfect love do? What is the love of Jesus? It moves it aside. Perfect, uh, uh, fear is standing here saying, you can't, you can't, you don't qualify, you're not able, you don't deserve it. The perfect love says, move aside. What He opens, no man can shut. The future that God got for you, has got for you is good. Hello? I'm preaching good, guys. Come on. <laughs> Perfect love casts out fear. I want to speak this morning in particular. Just, I mean, it's a big subject. I did a whole series on this back home. But this morning, I just want to talk to you about one aspect of fear. And I want to talk to you about the primary tactic that the devil uses to try and get us Fearing. How many of you recognize what this is? <laughs> Who's prepared to give away their age? It's not a big CD, guys. It's not a Frisbee. It's not a 
food platter. You know, it's not something you use in a coffee shop to bring the coffees on, it's none of those things. It's not a decor thing that you put on the wall, you know. That's sacrilege in some respects. Uh, this is called a vinyl record. Come on. Who's got a collection of vinyl records at home? Come on. I've actually, it's actually quite cool because you can actually find record players have actually come back into vogue again, so you can actually buy them and actually play some of these cool things. It's actually becoming cool again. So these records are great, but there was, there was one problem with them. Is that, is that if they got scratches on them, if they got kind of dirt and all that kind of stuff on them, what would end up happening to the record is that you'd end up with this kind of thing going around and around and around. It would actually get stuck on a certain point. And so you'd, 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 you'd be finding some song you know, that, that, you, that you would know. I'm not gonna sing, don't worry. I learned that lesson a long time ago. People are gracious, but not so gracious. But here's the thing with the record, it just, when there's scratches, it just plays itself over, the same thing, over and over and over and over. And here's what the devil does with fear. This is the record. This is his number one song that he will try and play in your life. You know what, the, you wanna know what this hit song is called? This hit song is called, What If? What if? The hit song is called What If? And, and so what he does, he does this. He comes, the record of your life is playing and it's going round and round and it comes and you hear this thing. What if? 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 Are you getting it? Don't need to do it. What if? Some of us live our lives that way. Some of us are kind of allowing the what ifs. And here's the thing, we all face what ifs. We're all confronted with what ifs every single day, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're in ministry, working for the church, working out there in the world, which incidentally, you're still working for the church. Hello? And we've got this record that's going round and around and around. This what if record. It's a depressing song. It's a negative song. It's not an uplifting song. It's a song that gets you trying to think about things and overanalyze things and, and hook you into a place and just try and, it tries to get you not to move on from that place either. And so we listen to this record called What If. And instead of putting courage in you, when you start to think about a major on the what ifs, it puts fear in you. When you focus on the what ifs, it puts fear inside of you. You see, the kind of thing that God wants us to do, because we've got to understand that when we don't deal with issues in our lives and as we live, our record of our life can sometimes get scratched. It gets scratched, gets messed up. And when you don't, Deal with it and allow the blood of Jesus just to wash over it and cleanse it and clean it. When you don't open yourself up to the healing processes of God and you just allow that scratch to, to, to come on, you end up with this what if scenario. So in, but here's the thing is that instead of focusing on what if, we should be focusing on God is. We end up playing the record of what if, what if, what if I step out and nothing happens? Yeah. We should be focusing on 
God is. We go on this side and we say, what if? I, I step out and open up my heart to that relationship and it doesn't go well. Instead of actually saying, but God is good. God is faithful. God has a good future for me. We're focusing on the what ifs. God says focus on the fact that God is. What record are you playing in your life? Daniel chapter three. I love that name. That's a great name, Daniel. I should name my son Daniel. Oh, I did. Daniel chapter three, verse 15. <laughs> <laughs> trying to think up a kind of combination name that Daniel Ashari just haven't worked something out. So if you've got any ideas, just please let us know. All right, just dash, what? I don't know, just uh, come up with something, let us know, that'd be good. All right, fantastic. Coming back to my point, you're distracting me, Tony. Daniel chapter three, we see the scenarios that uh, and, uh, the king puts out a, an edict about, he says, he creates a statue and he says, yeah, this, this image, and he says, I want you to bow down and worship this thing. And then we see the response of these three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three incredible young men who are just standing firm in their faith. And they say this in verse 15. So uh, it says, now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music, if you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. This is the king talking. He says, but if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? In verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing firmness, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But listen to this next phrase. But even if he does not, even if he does not, that challenges me. Right there, that little phrase. It says, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. You see, the what if thing, these guys were being faced with a lot of what if questions as they're standing there before the king. They're being said, you better bow down, otherwise you're gonna die. You better bow down, otherwise you see that fire over there that we're actually gonna stoke up seven times hotter than normal. You see, you're gonna land up in there. A lot of fear coming their way, a lot of intimidation. A lot of what if things going through their minds, they're thinking, well, what if we do and what if we don't? But what I love about the example of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is that they don't do what a lot of Christians do. Because a lot of Christians, when they know that there's what if questions in their life and fears going around, they try and do this in a way. They go and they put their fingers in their ear and they go like this, they go, I'm gonna just try and ignore it. La, 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 la. Was that loud? I couldn't hear because my fingers were in my ear. Which is a great point. Because when your fingers are in your ear doing la, 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 just trying to ignore things, you can't hear God anyway. What Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they didn't try and ignore the what ifs. 
they processed it and worked it through and followed it through to its logical conclusion. What we need to do, churches, think more. We need to process things a little bit better. And so what they do is they say, okay, let's work this through. So we know who God is and this is what the king is saying. He's gonna throw us in the fire. We know that our God is gonna save us. We know that, but hang about, even if we take it to its very logical conclusion and God doesn't actually come through and doesn't save us, you know what, even then, we will not bow down and worship your God. And what happens? Faith is born in their hearts. No longer fear, but faith arises. You see, when you process the what ifs and you don't try and ignore them, when you actually work them through to its logical conclusion, all of a sudden you get to the point and it says, God is. No longer am I focusing on the what ifs, God is. Even if, I'm still gonna worship my God. And here's the cool thing, the story doesn't end there because we know that they end up getting thrown into the fire. And what happens? God appears. Jesus appears in the midst of it. And so even in our darkest times, you've got to know that Jesus is there with you. Fear does not need stop you from the preferred future that God has for your life. Fear moves, it needs to move aside when perfect love comes. In the midst of their need, Jesus was there with them. And faith. Results. Everyone around them kind of goes, oh my word, they start battling us to tell us about your God. Fear does not need to stop you from the future that God has for us. In Matthew chapter 14, we're not gonna read that text, but you can, Matthew 14, verse 25 uh, uh, through to 31, we see the story of Jesus I love this, I love, I love thinking about some of these things. And you see, Jesus comes cruising along on the water, walking. <laughs> Jesus is walking on the water, doing his thing, like Jesus does. I mean, I don't know about you, if I was sitting out there on my boat, which the disciples were, they were in the boat, they're crossing over, and all of a sudden Jesus comes cruising along on the water. I mean, I'd be like, whoa, Jesus! I'd be like, Pete, Pete, Pete! Tony! Tony, wake up, Tony. Jesus is walking on the water. And I love, I love Peter's response because he sees it and he looks at Jesus and something inside him says, man, that's cool. Jesus is walking on the water. He says, I wanna do that too. And so there's a lot of what if things that are going through his mind at this moment. There's a lot of what if things because he's in this boat with all the other disciples. No one else is jumping up and down to do what he's thinking of doing. There's, there's stuff going on. He's, I'm sure he's going, well, uh, hang about now. If I put my foot on this water and I begin to sink, then what if? Or what if, what if the guys start laughing at me when I actually start doing this thing? You know, what, what, am I still up for that? But what I love is it says that as he fixed his eyes, he fixed his eyes on Jesus. He saw Jesus walking towards him on this water. He fixed his eyes and he says, I wanna do what I see perfect love doing. And so he comes and he confronts fear. Fear's all around him. Fear's pressing in, him, in, in, in at him from every side. Whole lot of what ifs going around. And he comes and he gets out the boat and he looks at Jesus and he just starts walking on water. That's incredible. And it says, while he fixed his eyes on Jesus, fear found no place. Fear could not be found. There was faith. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus and started to look at the wind and the waves around him, 
What happened? He starts to sing. And all of a sudden, where there was faith, there's now fear. And he's, as he be, begins to notice everything, he's going, what, what, what if I begin to drown? What if I begin to... And what happens? He begins to exactly happen what he thought was going to happen. What are you focusing on? When Peter focused on God is, faith, no fear. Supernatural things are happening. When he focused on the what if, he begins to sink. See, that's what, that's what fear will try and do to you. There's another story about the parable of the talents, which is found in Matthew chapter 25. Many of us would know this story quite well, where this master comes and he gives an amount of money to each of his three servants, his three employees, and he gives it to them, and he gives one an amount, of, of, uh, and he gives another an amount, and both of those, they, they take what was given, and he says they put it to work, and, they, and they, when the master comes back, they're able to say, here, there's more. He says, but one of them, he took what was, he was given, and he says, because of fear of his master, he buried it until his master returned. See, this is what a lot of us do with the things that our master gives us. There are people in this room here today that God has given you gifts, he's given you talents, he's given you abilities, he's given you certain aptitudes, he's given you certain dreams and those kind of things, and what you're doing with what God has given you is you're doing like this master, this servant did, and you're just bearing the gift that God has given you because you're scared, because you fear. The fear may be motivated by many different things. Maybe it's fear of what's happened before. Maybe it's fear of the future. Maybe it's fear about being out of control because some of us are just, if we're honest, we're just control freaks. That one's gone quiet. It's true. I have to wrestle with this in my own life all of the time. Fear can come from many different places. Fear will try and say to you, it's a locked door. And we bury the thing that we've been given and saying, oh, I'm, I'm scared of the master, I'll just bury it. And then when he comes back, the servant goes to the master and says, oh, master, here, here, here's, I'm bringing back to you what you gave me. If you read the story, it says the master didn't applaud him. The master rebukes him. He cops it. And he says to him, he says, you wicked and lazy servant. <laughs> you see, the servant, the employee, had the wrong perspective of the master. What, how do you see Jesus? How do you see God the Father? Tony was talking about the Father drawing us and us pursuing the Father. How do you see the Father? The Father only gives good gifts. That's what the Bible tells us. He's not the kind of Father that will give you something that's gonna harm you and that's gonna destroy you. He's a Father that gives you good gifts. Why? Because He's got a future for you. He's got a plan for you. He wants you to be part of what He's building in this place and He wants you to bring your gift, bring your talent so that He can actually see His kingdom established, His kingdom extended through this local house and, and the future is glorious when there's people getting on with that kind of stuff. But so many of us are sitting with our talents and we're so petrified, we're so scared. We think, oh, what if the church abuses me? What if they take advantage of my time? What if they demand things of me? What if they do this? I'm thinking, so what? If God has given you a gift, then you need to bring your gift and stop fear from actually robbing you from that which He's actually given you. He's not gonna commend you for sitting on your gift. He's gonna commend you when you bring it 
and you sow it generously. The best decision I ever made was that day that I said, Jesus, whatever you require of me, I will do. And let me tell you, that's been tough sometimes. It's been demanding. It's been confronting. Sometimes there's been fears that I've had to face. My, my younger son, Nathan, asked me this morning, he said, Dad, do you ever get nervous when you preach? You've been doing this for so long. I'd say every single time. Not because, you know, I, I, I can't do this, but just because I'm so aware of the incredible responsibility and privilege of preaching his word and the fact that he's given me a gift and I have to be faithful with the gift that he's given me. I can't allow fear to get in the way and, and hold me back. The devil will always try and get us to focus on the what ifs. And so the record's playing and it's going over and over and over. What if, what if, what if? But have you noticed something about a record? This is different to a CD. A record has another side. A record's not one-sided. A record has two sides to it. And so we're listening to the side that's all scratched and we're saying, what if, what if, what if? And we're saying, well, what if I step out and... Well, the other side is, well, what if you don't? What if I step out and, and, I, and my heart gets hurt because I, I stepped out? Well, what if you don't? Well, well, what if I put my hand up to serve in this area and, 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 and I find that the demands, well, what if you don't? You see, there's another side to the record. And some of us are focusing on the wrong thing. We're focusing on the what if. I say, well, look at the other side of that. Well, what if you don't? See, fear, it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. You know, the, um, some of you will remember this, that with these records, there was a thing going around at one point that said, they called it backmasking or backtracking. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember the days when they used to say, there's like secret messages in these records? And in the Christian community, they went paranoid, man. They were like, like, like the, the music's of the devil and, and they've got all kinds of like secret demonic messages in there that are trying to so, subliminally kind of affect you. And if you listen to these guys, it's gonna affect you. You're gonna end up worshiping the devil instead of Jesus. And, and we're all like, whoa, man, that's like, and we'll all try and play our records backwards to try and hear what's going on. And this is what you would hear. You would hear, and someone says, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you hear it? It, was, it said devil, do you hear that? I'm like, no, 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 play it again. Some of your generation, you're looking at it, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. Get your parents, go home with them and say, can we actually play some records backwards today? That'd be cool. And then, and then have fun and laugh about what you can hear. But anyway, my point is, is that you know, if you find you turn over the record and you're still not, it's still not working too well, you're still kind of battling with fear, here's another thing you should try and do. Play the record backwards. Because here's the thing about Goliath. He always ends up dead at the end of the story every time I read it. Every time I read the story, Goliath is dead. Every time I read 
He doesn't miraculously come out the grave. There's no different ending. You don't have like what you have with DVDs now where you can choose a different ending according to what you want. Every time, Goliath dies and David wins. Sometimes we've got to go back to what the victories that we've had in God and what he's done in the past in our lives. And remember, that is the God that we serve. Some of us have forgotten the great victories that he's won on our behalf. And he wants us to discover that. Habakkuk 3 verse 16 says this, I heard my heart pounded, my lip quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be faithful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my my feet like the feet of a deer and He enables me to go to the heights. And so even though you might feel like, Matt, my trees are not budding. Man, it feels like there's, there's no cattle in my, in my pen. It feels like there's nothing on my tree. This text says we need not fear. Why? Because God is. We don't focus on the what is. We focus on the God is. He is strong. He is able. He is your deliverer. He is your comfort. He is your counsel. He is your strong right arm. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is seated on the right right hand of the Father and He will be coming. Come on, church. He'll be coming back to claim you again. He's coming back for a victorious church and you don't need fear to take a hold of you and stop you from the preferred future that God has. Where? I need my two assistants. I need Mitchell and Benno here. And I'm going to wrap up with this. I want the birthday boy, 13 years of age, young man, he knows everything now. I want you to look at Mitchie. He's fear. Look mean. Look mean. Look at them out there and just, just show them that. Intimidate them, mate. Show them that they're not, gonna, they're not gonna get through this door. Come on, bud, mean, come on, get up. That's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. Come on, fire up. Come on, come on, come on. He's mean, look at him, come on, give us, give us your meanest stance. He's mean, It's fear, fear. Fear will try and say, back off. Fear over here will say, man, you don't come near me. I'm 13, I'm huge now. I've got big muscles. I'm, I'm, you can't come near me. You can't get through this door. You can't go to what God has got. Back off. That's what you meant to say, isn't it? Back off. Back off. But the text we started with says this, that perfect love casts fear out of doors. Fear will try and intimidate you. Fear tries to appear bigger than he is. Sorry. Fear will try and make out like he's huge. But here's the reality is that when he comes next to Jesus, come on, Jesus. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus. Come on, come on. What Jesus does, perfect love, is that He casts fear out of doors. Come on, Jesus, do your stuff, Jesus. And then Jesus, 
walks through the door to the preferred future that He has for your life. Thanks, guys. That little illustration is what Jesus has got for you. Fear need not control you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.